Hi, welcome to another episode here on the Kyle High Club. And as usual, I have a very special guest. It's very dear to my heart. His name is Noba, but I'll refer to him as His Majesty King Noba. Noba, welcome. Thank you for having me and Kyle. Stop being like that. You knew me when I was a weird guy at Park Acoustics who was jumping onto stage and you're the only one going, yeah, woo, I love this guy, let's do this. Yeah, but, but you know, if you, if you, if you sing Loba on stage, you know things are going to happen at Park Acoustics, you know. So I, you can be excited for the bands, you can be excited for the comedy, you can be excited for the day. But until you got on that stage, you know shit's going to get down, you know? That is why I got excited for things like that. Thank you, Kyle. It is little things like that that have made the 10-year experience of me being a part of that festival truly joyous. And getting to meet fun people like you who are great both in the fun context and even more amazing and inspirational in life. Thank you so much, Nova. And um, can I please ask... Please um, give us a little nutshell version. Who are you and what is it that you do? Hi, my name is Ngoba Ngobo. I'm a 50-year-old stand-up comedian, entrepreneur, businessman from Pretoria. I was born in the Eastern Cape. I grew up in South Africa, Canada, the USA, Pretoria, the Eastern Cape, and all over. And basically what I do is I make things interesting and funny. So when I'm writing for television in the numerous television shows I've written, I've made celebrities sound smart and funny. The movie that I wrote that's also on um, Zanti Magic, also characters were brilliant, smart, and funny. I get to MC festivals and also MC for casinos where I make people feel good about spending 10000 to win 5,000 and over the process of the last 12 years of doing that I've given away more money than government corruption and more cars than hijacking <laughs> and basically the way that I see it is I'm a little mirror and the thing that I get to reflect is happiness to other people everywhere I go and whether I'm doing it with a script with a microphone or even just with some words and a little bit of a hug that difference makes all the difference in the universe and and you do give the best hugs in the world. I can just oh god, yeah, dude, wasn't that the painful part of Corona? No more hugging. Yeah, oh. you, you get the weird chicken wing or the first bump, and you and you and you almost feel like this person is betraying you. It's like, come on, man, we used to be so tight, you know. <laughs> our nipples used to touch through our clothes. What happened? <laughs> it was so good. So, Oba, how did you get into this industry? How did you? go from being an average human being to you know sharing your voice with thousands and thousands and millions of people out there so how did you get into your line of work so i'll be honest with you it wasn't very very easy um i had a lot of trouble in school because i did 13 different schools in 12 years of schooling so my education was really really messed up to this day, when people come up to me and say, I went to school with you, I believe them because there's a 50-50% chance they're telling the truth. So all through school, the only thing that sort of stuck was I uh, won a whole bunch of different general knowledge competitions at the schools. And I did really, really well in like drama clubs and stuff. Like when I was a kid, I had a drama teacher who'd worked with Tom Cruise and Tom Selleck. And he said I was the best he'd ever seen. And he begged my parents to not pull me out of that drama class. Remember, I was nine years old. Oh, so wow. I got to the age where I'm living in Pretoria, 
with my mom after all the divorces and a whole bunch of stuff has happened. And I remember like um, working at the pizza shop and I just bought up my bursary from telecom and I have nothing to do. And I think now or never, like literally, this is the time. If I don't chase this comedy thing that I've wanted to do forever and ever, then it'll never come right. So I would sleep on people's floors. I'd take taxis to Joburg. I'd wait outside the gig till the early morning after the gig was over, just so I could catch public transport back. And for three, four years, I realized that it isn't going to work because number one, there's not enough of a comedy scene in Pretoria. And number two, when I go to Joburg, it's too much logistics. So I worked a little bit harder in the pizza shop to get myself a car and I became a manager and a co-owner. And then I started to hit the clubs really, really hard. Like I'd okay. make sure that I could try to get three or four clubs done every single week. And it's it really like, started um, to open pay mic off clubs or, uh, or what did you do at those clubs? Whatever. <laughs> See, the thing is comedy basically goes in three stages. First, you're an open mic, which means nobody believes in you, nobody trusts you, and they'll give you at most five minutes. And if you can get to the point where that five minutes is rock solid, where it's bulletproof, where it shines like a glittering diamond that has been stolen from Cullinan and is now sitting inside the Queen's scepter. Once that five minutes shines like that, then they'll give you a chance at 10 minutes. And now you're a support slot. And the journey for me to go from an open sport to a support slot took me about two and a half years because of timing and everything. Then when I finally got the car, the journey from support slot to either headliner or MC, that only took me about another three years after that. My very first comedy gig was at Cool Runnings in Melville on the 27th of Sunday, the 27th of uh, April at the basement in the underground. Because my mother was supportive, she sat in the front row and the no MC way. was John Flismas. And John Flismas tore my mother such a new one. And my wow. mother just sat there because she was there to support me and wait till I got to do my show. And she Yo. did. show went great. And we all drove home back together from Pretoria at 60 k an hour. And then yeah. uh, four years, four years after that, 20, uh, sorry, eight years after that now, uh, after the TV shows, after a whole bunch of other stuff, I've, I'm unemployed. I literally have no money. I've got a brand new kid on the way. The year is 2010. And I've lost about three bar. It's the global recession, 2008, 2009, wiped us out. No money, no future. Pizza shop I bought in the Eastern Cape is dead, dead, dead. Driving back with all of my belongings in a little bucket to Pretoria. I don't even have enough gas to make it home. I actually get stuck somewhere just outside of Farinaching and my brother has to come get me. And then I remember I'm sitting. Got a baby, no money. And I'm getting calls from Romans and they're like, you can come work here, you can come work there. And I thought to myself now, this is it. If I can't figure out a way to make this comedy thing that I have work, to be able to support myself, my family, and my child while I have nothing, then if I don't figure it out now, I must give it up for once and for all. That is By a the brutal the year, industry the as well. Comedy competition. It's not easy, dude. I'd, by the end of that year, I'd won the Nando's comedy competition. I would, I'd uh, signed a, another deal for a new television show, and I just started getting really, really busy, and things started to come right. Then by two years after that, it's acoustics, it's Sun International. I'm running around like a madman doing a bunch of things, finally getting to live the dream. And this is how weird life is, Kyle, because, you know, you don't realize what's happening or how much it's going to impact you until it does. 
So let's say from 2010 to 2017, good years, even though I went through another divorce, two, two more divorces and a whole bunch of other stuff, but business kept on going. Yeah. And I got to the point where I literally, I was living my dream. I'd had sold out shows booked for the month of May in Cape Town, in Durban, and in Johannesburg. In Cape Town, it sold out so quickly, I was about to end the second night. And then the rumors of that Chinese virus just on, kept on getting louder and louder. And the week before I'm going to do my first sold out show in Cape Town, our entire country and the world closed. Boom. Boom, dude. And it was time to start all over again, my friend. So what, what was the motivation to keep going? Because it's such a cutthroat thing. It's not, you know, a lot of people go study something, you know, um, business management and something like that, where they actually can have a fallback plan or it's not something that you can really do remotely because it's an entertainment-based industry. So mm-hmm. what really kept you going? I mean, you must have some sort of really big self support system in order to motivate you to say listen man this is what i'm made for this is what i'm gonna do and i'm not gonna give up on this i mean regardless with all of the odds against you you persevered i mean what is the thing that keeps you going brother i won't lie man i i've had i had a great support system in my mother because we were very very close and we're very very supportive and she understands the business and the industry that i was in and also, like, I, I'm a very, very religious person. I'm both African, spiritual, religious, and I'm Christian. And regardless of whatever happens, if you lose that drive or that want or that belief that what you're doing is going to eventually pan out, then regardless of whatever else is going on, you're going to give up and you're going to walk away. And wow. with all the things that I've done, from the movies, the multiple television shows, the Comedy Central specials, the festivals, not just Park Soul Mutual, oh, Mother's Day concerts, like a whole bunch of stuff, right? The keep thing I keep thinking of myself is, number one, I must stay humble. Because if yeah. you lose your humility, you lose everything. And one of the things I've noticed is that some of the most successful and incredibly talented people I've ever met always have kept their humility of course there are rock stars and people who think that they're special but the people who i've got the most from and learned the most from always had time for everybody they knew everybody from the cleaning staff to the people who were helping them on stage to greeting the bar people when they're getting their orders because Mm -hmm. the idea is simple if you're not a great person regardless of your work or whatever then fine sure your talent stands out and all those other things stand out But at the end of the day, you're not that sort of person that when they go to sleep at night, they have no worries, they have no stress, and they're truly joyous about everything they did in that day. And after not being that person, I really, really wanted to become that person. And I think that's what the journey of that last 10 years and staying focused to be able to do comedy has come from. I think um, what really, you know, goes hand in hand with regards to that is your self-image. And correct me if I'm wrong, but comedy is such a weird industry and it will teach you a lot about yourself because 
you are basically voicing opinions and thinking and, and, and thinking out loud. I mean, everything, every single um, thought you get and every single thing that you are, um, you know, is boggling your mind, you're putting out there in the world and you're making yourself very vulnerable to the world and, and everybody's opinion because you, as, 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 you know, entertaining you can be, you can bomb out and that can also crunch your whole entire self-image down along with it. Because it's, I, I think I see comedy as a very personal thing. Look, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that's also the importance of having quality in your message. You've been seeing me for years, dude, and I don't, especially when it's stuff that I love. I'm not trying to repeat the, the first. I'm not trying to repeat, and I'm trying to get different messages across. Yeah. When I started comedy, everybody, every other comedian, every direction is going black people, white people, Indian people, black people, white people, Indian people, and I yeah. go, that's nonsense. That's not the conversation I want to have. The conversation I want to have is people. Yeah. People, people, people. And then after that, right, we grow, we grow, we grow. Like you can even take a look at a special I did for Comedy Central in 2006. In that special, I was talking about wealth inequality, the Gini coefficient, and how South Africa is the most unequal society on the entire planet. Two years before Time Magazine even put it on their cover. And I still made that funny. And now yeah. people are talking about, oh, this, the next, and the other, because it's also got to be your perspective. If you're not looking at a bigger perspective and you don't want to talk about bigger issues and things that are affecting you, then you're going to be having the same tepid conversations or remixes of other people's ideas. And what I'm always trying to do is trying to push the bar, both in terms of the creativity and also the content of the conversation so that we're not only laughing but we're also looking at difficult stuff and being enlightened and growing because of that experience because i mean the conversation you're basically just having a giant conversation with a crowd because the the the, the joy and the funny and the funny bits of it makes it relatable i mean if you can make a very morbid thing laughable sure it's a serious topic but you are actually you know, making the information you're providing to the audience a lot more digestible at the same time. So I really love that because I've, I've seen many comedians in South Africa and they've got the same, you know, bunch of jokes that they, you know, you know, vomit out on, on stages. And what I've really loved about mm -hmm. your shows and, and what you do is you have uh, very important messages and you make that information digestible. Sure, it's serious topics, but the fact that we can laugh about it brings all of those communities, all of those races, religions, and genders together to, you know, sit back and think about the same topic. I couldn't agree with you more because those are the sort of things that we need. Dude. Those are the dialogues we need, bro. Because if we're not always constantly talking to each other, understanding each other and laughing with each other, then all we're doing is growing apart from each other all the time. And that's the worst possible situation. Because I think if you would have just uh, stood on a, uh, on a stage and talk about how fucked South Africa is and how uh, horrible the economy is, people are not going to sit and listen to you. <laughs> But if you can make it, if you can make it to, to a point where you can make everybody laugh, sure, people are gonna, you know, laugh along with you. But they're gonna go home and think like, "Wow, yes, do you remember that joke? That's actually really true because you're making it relatable." 
Oh, yeah, well, think about it this way, Kyle. Uh, the president's just extended those grants for 350 rand, right? Yeah. But this is the same president that told us that parliamentary members can barely live on a million rand a year, right? Yeah. Don't you miss Jacob Zuma's maths right now? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great, and and that's what you get for and that's what you get for um you know having a country with a thirty five percent you know pass rate. I love it. It's that's absolutely right. beautiful. No, dude. Oh, okay. Do you know like wait a second? Have you ever thought about it? Right? Have you ever thought about like how little thirty five percent is? If you went to go buy a cake and they gave you thirty five percent of the cake, would you be happy? I'm I'm gonna be angry, and that and 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 that's exactly <laughs> the same thing. You know, I'm I'm getting thirty five percent of my maths. <laughs> Uh, but the cool thing is, the cool thing is, sorry. No, go ahead. The cool thing, please go ahead. No, I said the cool thing is only knowing 35% of maths, you you don't argue the maths because you don't know a lot about it. If you're going to get 35% of that cake, you're going to think that is the cake. That's the whole cake. So keep the the country uneducated and everybody's going to be happy. All right, it's free. It works out perfectly, dude. It's the best <laughs> present ever. And remember, if the people can't understand the maths, then they won't know how much is being stolen, how much has disappeared, or why it's such a big deal. Exactly. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Everybody's happy, dude. It's a win-win-win. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that it's that blissful ignorance. <laughs> oh gosh, don't you miss those days, Kyle, when you could just be young and free without worry. No, um, I I like to think back of the on those days, you know, being young and free, and it actually makes me value being an adult so much more because you 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 take small things for granted now, but you if you think back on 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 those days, like wow, I have actually survived for some reason with a thousand rand a month that I got from my shitty job and I made it work. What do I actually have to complain about now? You know? (laughs) So, so true. Or you made it through a situation that you definitely should have died and you didn't realize until after it was all over. Like, hey, wait a minute. I was nearly gone right there. Wait a minute. I'm still alive. And dude, and I'm telling you, this is somebody who's drowned twice, had two motorbike accidents. <laughs> like, I, death follows me, brother, and been shot. You've been shot? Yeah, dude, I was shot in 2010 in a robbery on the highway. I what? was going over to help this guy named Trevor Goombi. He told me we were having a writer's meeting. Yeah, he told me we were having a writer's meeting. He was a friend of mine at the time. I'd even emceed his wedding. I get to his house. It turns out the guy wanted me there because he was moving house from Centurion to Ruderport and I drive a Bucky. Yes, I'm from the Mort. I drive a Bucky. I'm a stereotype. So I helped the guy move. Well, I'm helping him move. After the second load, some dudes put some bricks on the highway in deep suit, blows out my car while I'm waiting for the guys to come back with a spare tire. Somebody shoots through my car window. Bullet hits me in the thigh and goes up there two centimeters from my car. That bullet wow. nearly killed me. Yeah, you could have been dickless. I still got the bullet to this day, and my jeweler, my jeweler is making it into a ring for me. I'm actually so excited. What? Because that that's the story of life. Cool we story, turn tragedy man. into triumph. Tragedy to triumph. Tragedy to triumph. That is how. Wow. 
that is awesome. I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, under the circumstances, but that is a really cool story, man. <laughs> I mean, how a lot of how many people can actually say they have been shot and they're wearing it as bling? I mean, that is like fuck you, death. <laughs> From bullets to bling. No, yeah. I think you've just captured it. I didn't think about it that way. Turning bullets to bling. What the hell do you think? Wait, yeah, dude. If yeah. this is, if we really want to make this a great episode, let me tell a great story. How's Go that? Go for it. Go for it. All right. So, um, my mom had been really, really sick the last couple of years, and then Kyle knows that I've been helping to take care of her as best as I could. And 2019, I was dating this beautiful girl, but this girl was dating herself, and I had no idea <laughs> because some people, when you date them, you're with them, and some people, you date them, you're with them, but they're really with themselves, and you just happen to be along for the ride. You're just a wheel that I hamster is running on. Exactly, dude. Oh, but they're enjoying the run. They're enjoying the run. Dude. <laughs> For example, I'm not going to mention this lady's name, but I brought her mom and her. Like I put, I put them because my mom was sick, and it was the Mother's Day concert at Zoo Lake, and I've been emceeing that like three, four years in a row. And this year, it's myself and Mafiki Zolo, right? Okay. So my mom is sick in hospital. So I tell her like, you know, bring your mom. I thought your mom and my mom could sit together and they could get to know each other during the day. But my mom can't make it, so she brings her mom. Her mom has a great day, and her mom gets so hammered that she can't walk back to her car, and they have to put her into the golf cart. And while they're driving her back to the, while they're driving her back to the, to to her car, so that the, with their daughter, so the daughter can drive them home, the mom falls out of the car and breaks her shoulder. She has to go for surgery and three months of rehab after that. Yeah, and that was the first time I met her mom. <laughs> and then the worst part is, yeah, the worst part is I went on two vacays with this hun. Right, one we went to like Khutmarico because I wanted to like try Mampur, and okay, I love right. the history of Ziarrest and Khutmarico. It's got the eye, which is the deepest natural spring in Africa. The bottled water is like world famous and minerally enriched. It's got the Mampur country, and it's got a whole bunch of other interesting sites. Okay. And the three nights I was. The four nights I was in Khutmariko, three of them I was absolutely by myself because my partner passed out and fell asleep on me every single day. So wow. I was, this is where the story gets interesting. And this is where Kyle, Kyle gets involved. So <laughs> I'm trying to feel better. I break up with this woman and I'm like, I'm done with the women. I've had enough. I'm single. I'm done with this. And then uh, this beautiful colored girl had been, inboxing me and dming me and blowing up my messages and i'm gonna tell you if there's any ladies listening to this podcast persistence works all right one day that nigger is going to be weak and this woman had been messaging me for like a year a year and a half and then finally she's like i finally like all right fine i'll see you i got acoustics on sunday after i'm done i'll pick you up and we'll go for drinks and we'll go to and class to go watch the karaoke Mm. that night who is at Unclass doing no. the karaoke, no. putting on the most spectacular, epic, wonderful balls to the wall show I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life? Do you remember no. this? Like, uh, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that chick? Oh, God. She looked like Jessica Rabbit. Do you remember yeah. Jessica Rabbit from uh, Roger yeah. Rabbit? Yeah, yeah. I remember that night. And I, I remember singing Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. And, uh, yes! Dude, and we jumped on the table and we started to sing along with you. What? <laughs> oh, gosh. What a night. So, <laughs> so okay. that night, 
I didn't that expect myself to be in this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did it. That night was actually the last time I'd actually been with a woman, bro. That oh, was wow. the end of 2019. Do you remember that, cup? Yeah, yeah. Just before 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last time I karaoke that as well. Seriously? All right, <laughs> fine. You must tell me the next night you karaoke, and then I'll make sure it's the next time I go on a date. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be your date. If I was a superhero, I'll be wingman. <laughs> and you'd be the best one ever, bro. Yeah. So I just want to ask you quickly, um, with regards to, you know, being on stage and, you know, you are, you know, basically the conductor of the day, you know, what type of preparation do you go through before you go out or was it just like an average day for you it's like a you know a, a muscle you know that's so well trained you just go out and do it or do you go actually have to mentally prepare yourself to go out in public around, around a lot of people are you kidding me brother listen to me and i quote this and i mean it with from the bottom of my heart uh, another famous comedian told me that it only takes 10 years to become an overnight success <laughs> and it's so true i sit and i research my bands i listen to their music i make sure i've got new jokes that relate to the people and relate to the day i go through i do other research that's related to the product and then i send myself this beautiful either email or i write everything on my favorite which is black paper with a gold or silver pen all my entire notes for that day and Whenever I need to just double check something, I go through those notes so that when you see me sitting backstage and like sitting with my phone, I'm just double checking stuff that I've already prepared. And the other thing is no lies, Kyle. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell was right. You do need those 10,000 hours. And I've yeah. got 10,000 hours of mic time from working in the casinos, from doing stand-up comedy in open spots, from getting as much stage time as I can. So that now when I deliver, it's natural, it's smooth, it's rehearsed, it's polished, it's perfect. It's the sort of thing that makes you think, oh my goodness, why can't I be the lucky person who gets to unbutton that zipper? And in those <laughs> moments, in those moments, I'm thankful that I've put in all this time. But the thing we also worry about is with the world changing, how much are these skills going to be necessary or even used anymore if we're not able to congregate, hang out and be in public? But yes, I think where I'm going at with this question is there's a lot of honesty that comes with comedy, you know, and you are actually voicing that honesty about yourself to strangers out there. And, you know, that's what I was getting at earlier with that making yourself vulnerable because a lot of you know a lot of your own personal jokes you're actually just roasting yourself and you know people are laughing at that but doesn't that have some sort of impact on you no dude whoa hold up isn't the best thing about being in love that you have to be vulnerable in order for it to work and i think yeah. that's how stage time is too if it's not authentic, if it doesn't come from you and it doesn't show that you're willing to put yourself out there and be wrong, then why would people want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, that that blew my mind now because I've never really thought about it like that because I've 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 been on a stage several times myself. I mean, I've played I've played in a couple of bands and you know, like I've done karaoke and stuff and one of my friends invited me to open my um, comedy evening. And 
I've never done comedy. I'm, I'm funny when it comes to, you know, conversation, you know, don't put me on a stage and say, Hey, be funny now. Cause that's <laughs> pressure. <laughs> that's pressure. I can't deal with, but all I've done was I just basically roasted myself and people were laughing and, you know, and, it was horrible for me. I walked, I walked away and I was like, yes, can you believe everybody was laughing at it? But I had to actually, it actually took me quite a lot of time to actually take that experience and turn it around and thinking, you know what, you actually change people's lives. And, you know, you might've sparked some courage in other people's lives to actually be honest with themselves and people around them as well. So, so true. And also when you share that vulnerability, Kyle, when you're saying, hey, listen, I wake up every morning, I work, I'm working on my weight, I'm not winning, but I'm working and that counts for something. Yeah. You're showing people that you're having that same experience. And then whatever falls from that, now you've got that common connection. And without the common connection, there's no way that people can feel that they're a part of the story, part of the experience. Dude, um, I actually want to share a story with you. And I'm actually glad we are recording it because it, without you actually knowing it you've kind of changed my life in this perspective okay so it was opikopi i think it was force force or something like that and i had a shirt on that had the p word on it you know the dutch word for cat you know and um i walked around i had this um socks that went up to my knees i had a comb in the sock and you were busy with a show like you were balls deep in a show and drunk Kyle just rudely interrupted your show, like rudely. You were like right in the middle of a joke. And I just came in I, and I completely ruined it. But you turned that whole entire situation around and you said, hey, guys, look, here comes a guy dressed up as the apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the day. I remember the day. So the reason I um, where I'm getting at, the reason I always wore that shirt is, you know, how people reacted to that shirt told me a little bit about the person. And it was a very horrible way for me to get to read people because I had to equalize and normalize that situation no matter where I went because of having this rude word on my shirt. And um, the day you did it, a lot of people actually knew me throughout the whole entire festival. Hey, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. How are you? But the people I attracted, um, it was a certain type of people, and I don't want to normalize or I don't want to generalize as well. But that was the last day I wore that shirt because I don't want to be forever known as that. Sure, I, I had the shirt and I, and I knew what I was doing, but it changed something in me where I actually wanted to leave a good impact on people with what I say, with what I do and how I conduct myself. And we spoke about this off recording earlier as having a little bit of pride in yourself. And mm. I've always seen you as a person who's very confident and who takes a lot of pride in themselves. And that alone being on off of stage and even just you coming to my house, visiting me, just having that little bit of pride about yourself, you don't even have to say a word and that can change someone's life. You, Kyle, you don't know how much that means to me, dude, because the, 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 the sort of experience that you're describing, as in sometimes you're going out there to try to see the worst in people, and now that you're happy to go out there and try to find the best in people. I've also sort of been through something similar. 
I had a t-shirt from my old comedy company that messed me over. And the t-shirt, please excuse me for swearing on the podcast, the t-shirt used to say, fuck them and bury them. And it used to be my favorite t-shirt. And I'd run with my dog with it every single morning. And then one point I realized that this isn't the sort of image I want to be portraying for myself. And it went from little things like, okay, cool. You're on stage, then please start to look a little bit more professional. Wear a shirt, wear a tie, do something so that you feel that you're being the better version of yourself that you want to be. And the thing is, that journey isn't like a one-step journey. It's not just one thing. It's one thing that leads to the next thing that leads to the next thing. And then you turn around and look and you're like, oh my goodness, how much have I changed and has the world changed simply because of that first step that leads to the next, that leads to the next. And it's that little bit of self-pride. I'm, I'm not saying you need to always be presentable and, and always you know, try and say something that will inspire people. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of a gray area between taking pride in in yourself and also just being yourself as well. I mean, I think the open honesty of you being you together with actually just stepping a little bit back, you know, seeing yourself as a third person and thinking, Oh, how can this sure with my friends and everything, I'll be my, I'll be a certain manner, but how can this impact anyone else and sure if that's your vibe if you want to wear shirts like that if you want to go out and do things like that that's your vibe cool but i'm just thinking if more people would actually just be more considerate with people around them even if it's just the general public that small step will actually change lives dude i could like guy this is like literally the biggest problem that we have in our nation as a whole. Everybody's more important than everybody else. Everybody's richer than everybody else. Everybody's got a reason why they need to tell you off. And if we could just have that time to be humble, to be personable, to show Ubuntu, I do agree with you. We'd be in a vastly different situation and a vastly better situation. Yeah, because I think there's a difference between not giving a fuck and doing what you need to do And actually just conducting yourself around when you're around other people in a manner, you don't even have to say anything. You, you, I mean, just conducting yourself, thinking about, you know what, there are people around me. How can I just make that small lady who every single day, you know, takes my groceries and she scans it. You can make that person's day a little bit better. What can butterfly effect from there? Brother, like, bro, you're speaking the gospel of the universe right now, dude. Each one, each one, teach one, each one, help one. We're all here to help each other. Like that stuff is for me is the basis, whether it's the lady who's helping me pack my groceries, somebody who's grabbing me a drink, somebody who's helping me get some petrol, or if I'm that person who's in need of help, all we need to do is just be personable and things will be so much better. Yeah, and that's what I liked about when you said earlier, you take your time when you go to a club, you get to know every single person from the cleaner to the bar lady to the guy who's mopping up afterwards. Um, I think if just knowing someone's name, if you spend a lot of time with them, that can change someone's life. I mean, I, I've, I've, it, took a, it took a long while for me to actually take myself away from you know, constantly trying to achieve because uh, being in the sales environment, I come from this and I'm still in the sales environment. 
you are so quick to be brainwashed. You know, you have to be the best. You have to wear flashy watches. You need to drive a big car and don't waste your time with people bringing you down versus having humility and, 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 you know, being humble enough to think to yourself, you know what, you're not the only fucking person on this planet. You know, you're, you're not the only one rolling through this giant rock in space trying to figure out who they are. And everyone else is also probably dealing with what you're dealing and it's relevant to you. That's so true. And if you can just take that little bit of time to be personable and be kind, whether they're dealing with whatever you're, they're dealing with and you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, that time that it takes just for you to be polite and kind it makes all the biggest difference in the world. And that's why I commend you for, I mean, comedy is, it's, it's, it's as, as an in, enlightened and happy-go-lucky and joyful it is, it does have its dark side. I mean, it does have, uh, you know, deconstructive way of conducting it as well. And I have such a, I'm not going to mention names, but I've got such a big, you know, hatred for most of South African comedians. And I don't watch a lot of South African comedy because they make, either make the whole entire comedy thing about themselves or they make it way too political and, and, and vaguely cross racism or gender lines and things like that, which we don't need. I, I don't think we need that. I couldn't agree with you more, dude. We do need to have discussions, but we do need to have discussions that build us, not break us down, bro. Discussions that help us learn and grow and appreciate each other, as opposed to discussions where we're dissecting each other and looking for the worst in each other. And that's how we grow to have more understanding, by learning to understand people better. Like everybody talks about I'm Zulu and everybody talks about how powerful the Zulu tribe is. But did you know that the only undefeated tribe in all of Africa is the Venda people? Oh, wow. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I got a great story to tell you about Venda's one. Go for it. <laughs> all right. So basically, um, <clears throat> the Vendas are descendants of these people called the Baremba people, right? And the okay. Baremba are Jews who who walked away during Moses's great trek, they just kept on going in a different direction. Like this guy's lost and they ended up here. Now, the reason that they've never ever been defeated in war is the Barembas have a very special drum. This drum is never touches the ground. Every single day, all day, it's held aloft by four human beings on poles, right? And this wow. drum is made from the skin of human beings, the skins of their backs. And what happens with the Baremba is they do not fight. They do not go to war. If you attack the Baremba, they allow you to attack them and they try to regroup and save themselves. And after they've been attacked, they go and they get the drum. Now, what happens with the drum is they all have to keep quiet. They all have to cover their ears as much as they can. And they wait till night and they start beating the drum. Boom, boom, boom. And what the drum does is it puts people into the deepest, most powerful sleep that they cannot wake up from. And then from there, the Baremba soldiers would go and they would stab all the other soldiers once in the heart and leave one to wake up in the morning to be able to tell the tale of they woke up and everybody was gone. Damn, dude, that is, is badass. <laughs> that drum is there. It's still there. You can go to Venda and see it. Wow. 
that is that is a, that, that is such an amazing story because not only are you creating fear with this drum i mean imagine you know you're one of those people who survived this and you hear this drum you don't have even have to go out and be like you know what i'm not even going to deal with that you know I, I i know what this is about this is this is not a congo show guys this is this is some serious stuff happening right now mm-hmm. so i, 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 I couldn't I, agree well, you, mm-hmm. when you when you earlier before the story now mentioned about you know being we're so quick to be deconstructive and 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 break break us ourselves down, and you mentioned earlier that you're mm-hmm. a mirror. I think um, in our own personal minds, you know, we're also very quick to break ourselves down, then rather to motivate ourselves. You know, as an entertainer, you you just mentioned. It's, it's much better to uplift people than to create negativity. But being a mirror, um, I'm going to use that metaphor now. Do you, do you implement that mentality on your own self as well? Because I think it's with everything that's happening. And I mean, you lost a very dear and close family member, your mom as well. It's very quick to blame yourself or to break yourself down along with that. And um, it's very hard. It's actually very hard to motivate yourself in dark times. Sure. Yeah, dude, that is like literally one of the hardest things to still to try to find the light, like to try to find that light inside yourself or to try to find that light in something else so that you can reflect it or you have something to shine. So... I, I won't lie, I also struggle with it. And I'm as a human being, we have to realize that inspiration isn't like a one-off thing. Inspiration's like gym. You have to constantly keep on looking for it. Otherwise, you won't be able to find it and to reap the rewards of it. So you gym every day, you've got to look for that inspiration to keep going every day whether it's in nature, whether it's in your family, whether it's in books, whatever, there's got to be more than just your experience. Because if we always turn it inwards, then sometimes we might be losing out on something on the outside that could be helping us grow on the inside. And that brings me back to, you know, people just being considered with other people, right? So imagine you are just trying to, you know, find that light, you know, and just, you know, gem your mind, and just to try and find your your inner peace and you have people around you constantly bring you down and this guy has got a new car and and everybody around you is just doing really well and if in and and we live in a world where you want instant results why can't i be like that why can't i just get a six pack while drinking a pill and everything like that we all live in a world where we want instant gratification we want to Mm -hmm. see results immediately so it's laborious mm-hmm. to actually talk to yourself and motivate yourself because it's hard to see results. It's something you can't see immediate results. It's something that takes time. It takes years to actually get to know yourself and to be able to motivate yourself. But, you know, being in a world where everything is a little bit dark right now, it's harder to see mm-hmm. that results at the same time. No, but we have to focus on those little things, right? So. I'll give you an example. Like me, I started uh, after last year, I started taking my weight more seriously and I started to implement things inside my life that would help me to manage it and to be more serious about it so that I wouldn't end up in the position I was in. And in that process, right, 
it might have been a 500 grams one week or even 200 grams one week. But now, like a whole eight, nine months later, I've already hit one of my goals, which I thought I was only going to hit towards the end of the year. And the only way that we can get that sort of validation is by being happy with our little successes, because it's all those little itsy bitsy successes that lead to the major triumphs. I'll give you another example. I was never ever determined. I haven't been determined before the way that I am now. And I'm yeah. thankful for Corona because that difficult period of being unemployed and having to look for work and not being able to live my dream on my own terms reminded me that you do have a lot of skills. And just because you can't have the one that you have, you can't live the one that you want on the terms that you want. It doesn't mean there can't be other dreams that you could achieve that would make you feel just as great or give you that same feeling of accomplishment. And I, just, I had sorry. situation. I had a situation where in a week at the beginning of this year, around February, March, I had to finish an entire season of a television show. But because of my schedule, I could only write between 10 p.m. and 5 o'clock in the morning for five days, for six days. And I told myself, no matter what happens, I will not go to sleep up until that work is done. And yeah. bit by bit, you teach yourself that determination by practicing it, no matter how painful it is, and then it becomes a part of you. Don't you think the success in what you're talking about right now lies within, you know, not getting gratification from other people by actually getting gratification from yourself? You need to be able to applaud and acknowledge your accomplishments yourself, because if you are going to try and find for that gratification in another human being, you will always be disappointed. That's what I firmly believe. Oh, dude, one billion, trillion, trillion percent. Because if it doesn't come from you and you don't have that piece from whatever it is you've done, nobody else is going to give it to you. And the other thing, you glanced on it earlier, that we live in the world of instant gratification now. You post a picture, people must like the picture, it must get a thousand likes, and then all of a sudden, once you see that thousand, happiness. And then you're going to keep going back to check who's liked it and how much more it's growing. And the reality is that everything worth having in this world doesn't come with instant gratification. It comes with yeah. long turmoil and suffering. And I think that's also one of the changes that I've made. I let go of that instant gratification and I was like, all right, if I really want something worthwhile and fulfilling, then I need to start doing some long-term building to get those worthwhile and fulfilling things. Yeah, I think so as well, because if you take yourself um, away from the world and the public and you create your own universe, right? And in your own universe, you try and achieve your goals and you, and you mm -hmm. keep track of those goals. The only person you need to actually make proud is yourself. So if you create your own universe, right, where you are happy and complacent with yourself and you just focus on your own personal goals and your own personal achievements, right? I just feel your own life will become so much better and so much easier to go out in the world when you're the only person you literally need to keep happy. 
Yes, 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 yes. I think it's the Buddhists that say all anticipation is the basis for disappointment. All expectation is the basis for disappointment. So at least if you can learn to focus that energy inwards and you can say, all right, what can I do and how can I be better? And then when you achieve that, then your world becomes better for it. So what do you do in amongst what has happened to you recently? And I know it's a giant knock in your own personal well-being because like you said, one of your biggest motivations and one of your biggest, you know, uh, you know, um, fans is no longer there. And how has that impacted you? And how are you adapting with, you know, a big traumatic thing like that happening to you? Okay, I haven't still, I haven't even had the time to decompress yet. Everything is still so fresh and so painful. But I'll be also honest that I know that our family has legacies, legacies that we all want to continue. And one of the legacies my mom left behind was love, dude, like in all directions and everywhere we go. She was big on that. It doesn't matter if it's the cleaning lady, the security guard, or the CEO of the company. You're greeting everybody the same. You're polite to everybody because at the end of the day, if you're not the same person to everybody, then you're really not that person. So one of the things that like I've been trying to make sure that I maintain is deciding to not let what's happened break me away from already a great legacy, which I'm a part of. So I want to continue those things. I want, if you've been to any place I work at or any place I interact with, that's the way it's got to be. We've got to be constantly spreading and showing the love, which is why I always drop, drop that cap phrase, nothing but love, because that's what we should be sharing with each other, nothing but love, but even more so with ourselves. And you are also a father yourself. Oh, gosh, to an incredible 13-year-old who's just out of this world, brother. It's amazing. I, I didn't think fatherhood would be like this. So, I mean, having a, a really good foundation to come from and, and you saying that out loud that means that your child is actually you know living that legacy that you're actually verbalizing right now as much as possible wherever possible because i think one thing a lot of parents don't understand right is that we pass those legacies on to our kids every single day and i had no idea the legacies i was passing up until during the lockdown period, my daughter said something to me that blew my mind. I won't talk about it, but she was just describing families and what she saw and how she was interacting. And it further reinforced this idea of, okay, cool. Our parents did it like this for a reason. And now when you grow old and you think it's stupid, it's archaic, it's boring. And then you get to the point where you're a parent, you realize actually this is fantastic and this is something I need to keep going. Like I hadn't gone to church for 18 years or 19 years up until my mom was sick. When she started to get better, the first thing she asked me is, can you please take me to church? And I went back with her. And ever since then, I'd been there every single Sunday. And now I'm taking my kid with me every single Sunday. And then you realize the importance of a Sunday morning shouldn't be spent in bed it should be spent at church so that that time back in bed means so much more also it also um, develops a sense of community along with that as well not only you know your religion and your relationship to 
the higher power out there, but also a sense of community, you know, a, a bunch of people coming to the same thing, to the same place for the same thing, mm -hmm. kind of like the community of a festival and the comedy show and everything like that. Everybody getting together with the common cause. And I think that is a very good culture to pass on to a future generation. It's so, so true. And you've seen it. My daughter has been with me for tons of festivals and tons of interactions and even comedy shows and even church because she knows that those communities are what build us and those communities are what strengthen us and we need to have that love in those communities and we need to be a part of them no man is an island as much as we always looking inside and trying to make ourselves better we can't get it all done by ourselves i just think it's really cool that you are proud enough in what you do and the people you surround yourself to actually you know introduce your child into that world i think it is such a beautiful thing because um i'm not saying everybody should take the kids to work but i'm just saying you know you must have some sort of pride <laughs> and, and and you know trust in your friends and the communities you surround yourself in to actually you know introduce your child into that Hey, listen, to trust me, it has gone wrong. I have brought my daughter when I couldn't get a babysitter to the wrong comedy show, sat her at the back, put on a nice pair of loud earphones and a whole bunch of stuff on the tablet, do the show and then see that she's taken off the tablet earphones, pause the tablet because she wanted to watch the show more. But also to some degree, we need to be realistic that we're not just raising our children, we're also preparing them for the world that they live in. And when we over shelter our kids and over protect them, that's when we rob them of the experience of understanding the world that they have to be a part of, both when we're there and when we're gone. I think that is such a beautiful mindset to it as well, because I think, you know, taking away the ability to learn and experience new things robs your future generation of so much more imagination and inspiration. Mm, mm, definitely. Because Robert, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, please continue. Please continue. No, no. I just wanted to say, like, you can actually see it in your in your child. Um, uh, and and I've met her, I think, three times before, and. Everything that you've mentioned now on the podcast is that mirror image that you're talking about, you know, the, the culture that your mother established through you and that culture that you bring out in, in clubs. And you can actually, it's almost like I've known your daughter my whole entire life. And that was the first time she met me. She was so, she was, you know, so happy just to meet your, your friends and, and people you surround yourself with. And I just think it is such a beautiful thing to witness because I'm only now experiencing an actual generational culture that you are embodying right now. But that's the whole point. We're supposed to pass down the best things of what it is we love to our kids so that they've also got something to be really joyous about. And now like that I'm adding things to my life that I really enjoy. Like how I don't wanna, I don't want to ruin the surprise. But before my mom passed, she helped me get one of the things that I've wanted for so long. And it's strange because I wasn't drinking, I was exercising, I had no girlfriend. It was easier for me to get closer towards the goals that I was working towards. And one of the things I really wanted was I needed, my mom asked me to get rid of my race car. Love my race car with all my heart. And it was left for me and my dad, but she was like, it's time to go. And I didn't want to let it go. 
but in the process of letting go, it made me so, it helped me get something that I'd wanted even more. And I think that's also one of the big lessons of life because we're all carrying around so many burdens and our hands are so full, but we don't realize that in order for us to be able to get the next thing that we truly desire, there's something else that we need to let go of. And that's the past. Uh-huh. That is so true. It's like when Rafiki, you know, clapped um, Simba over the head, you know, and he and and then he wanted to <laughs> to whack him again, and then Simba ducked, and then Rafiki told Simba, "Yeah, the past can hurt, but you can either learn from it or run from it." True, hundred percent true. And now I'm trying to learn and make the most, so I don't have to run. Well, but, um, I feel like South Africa is your children, and you are you're blessing us with your presence and your wise words and your absolute wonderful rainbow aura that you're casting out into the nation and i'm going to ask you now before we wrap up what is something that you want to share with everybody out there in the world Wow, you really know how to put it down the spot, hey, Kyle? This is why you make great podcasts. So uh, if I had to, if I had to share one thing for everybody, I'd remind them that there is enough love in the world and it all begins with you. Yo, that that is some powerful words, man. That kind of like brought everything full circle and I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, dude. Thank you, thank you, brother. Thank you for coming on board. I absolutely love oh, you. Hold up, hold up, hold on... up. Uh, where do I buy your coffee so I can come support your business? Because you are getting tickets to my one-man show hold up. You will be, I know you're going to be my first ticket buyer, but we have a private rooftop right here in the city of Pretoria where I will be doing a one-man show and I would love you to be there, Kyle. I'll just bring you some coffee and then we'll and then we'll drink coffee and watch the sunset together. Deal. Freaking okay. deal. All right. No, what I, <laughs> well, but I just wanted to say thank you so so much. You mean you mean a lot to me as a human being, as an entertainer, as someone I can just randomly find anywhere and have a wonderful chat too. And I would like, just like to thank you for having this conversation for me, with me, for the world to, uh, to hear. So thank you so much. And um, I, I wish you all of the luck and all of the prosperous things that can possibly happen to you in the future. All right, dude. Same to you, Kyle. Nothing but love and success and happiness. I believe it is the Yiddish who say, which means without malice or jealousy, I wish you more success. Keep on kicking ass until you've got a bloody stump for a knee, my buddy. (laughs) Thanks, man. And you should have a wonderful evening, ma'am. Goodbye. Good night.